Hello, this is Brother Sam Gunn, and I'm with you for the first chapter of God Speaks. As we get ready to dig into this great topic, I wonder if you can remember a time when you heard somebody say, well, God said this to me, or God's been speaking to me, and you thought, well, what is that like? I mean, I sort of picture like sitting in a chapel and suddenly you hear this booming voice. I think I'd jump out of my skin. There's got to be some way to hear God that you can know that it's God, but it doesn't terrify you. I was so surprised when God spoke to me the first time. My first reaction was irritation. Like, I was angry that somebody else was in my head. That's how I knew it was not me, because it wasn't me speaking or me thinking. It was as if, deep inside, words were spoken to me from somewhere else. To the prophet Isaiah, God says, my ways are not your ways. My words are not your words. That might help us understand why, when God speaks, it's harder for us to receive and respond. It doesn't originate with us, and so we have to wrestle with it. That's what I hope this chapter stirs in you, a desire to wrestle with God speaking. To ask yourself honestly, have I experienced God speaking? And whether I can say yes or no, whether I know for sure that he has or I don't really know, that I'm willing to wrestle with this question and open my heart and mind and allow the Lord to speak. Let's get started. Chapter 1. God is speaking to you. Give him your shoes. God spoke these words to me when I was a college freshman. It was a cold February afternoon in New York City, and I had just left my dorm to get some dinner. Head down and hands shoved in my pockets, I was walking to the dining hall when I passed a homeless man. I don't think I ever saw his face, but I remember his feet. They were filthy, cracked, and bleeding. And that's when the Lord spoke these words. They weren't audible. I didn't hear a voice. Rather, it came from deep inside. By my reaction, I knew it didn't come from me. Right away, I said no. As a suburban kid experiencing city life for the first time, I wanted nothing to do with the homeless. I'm not proud to say it, but the many poor who lived in the streets were frightening to me. That's why this word was so unexpected and why I answered so strongly. It was something I'd never dream up myself. I kept on walking, but I couldn't get it out of my head. The, the word of command, the bleeding feet, as I ate alone, I rationalized my situation to God. Oh, well, missed my chance. Too late now. Later, back in my room, I couldn't focus on my work. In frustration, I turned to the Lord. Okay, I don't get it. Why couldn't I give him my shoes? See, there was nothing special about them. A pair of old beat-up sneakers, that's it. The answer came right away. Because you care too much what other people think of you. Whoa. Okay. I sat there stunned. It was the same voice and the same sense of conviction. This time, I couldn't ignore it. Maybe this sounds intense, but as I look back, I also remember the calm that came when the Lord spoke. There was no condemnation, only a sense of invitation. He was asking for me to trust him, and I knew he was right. No sooner had I heard this word than I remembered, in that split second on the street, the sudden fear of what my roommates would think when I walked back into our suite wearing socks. 
I would have been embarrassed to say, I gave my shoes away to a homeless man. That's when it dawned on me that it wasn't so much about the clothes. I was attached to my reputation. As the truth sank in, I asked the Lord, What do you want me to do about it? He led me to make a sacrifice of something else, a pair of cowboy boots I loved wearing to the clubs. It's hard to explain how he made this clear to me, but I knew what he wanted. A few weeks later, I left the boots in a goodwill drop box. Know what? I never missed them. And from that day on, I cared a lot less what people thought of the way I dressed. By making that small sacrifice, God freed me from a burden of self-consciousness I didn't even know was there. It was my first lesson in the power of hearing and obeying God. I offer this story because I'm not special. I believe God is speaking to you, too. Maybe you already know this, but I sure didn't. Back then, I believed God spoke in the Bible, but I didn't understand that He could communicate directly with me through His indwelling Spirit. I had never read the book of Deuteronomy where it said, quote, This command which I am giving you today is not too wondrous or remote for you. No, it is something very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart, to do it. Unquote. This book is for people who want to hear God better in order to follow Him more faithfully. The goal is to become good listeners, disciples who hear and follow the voice of our Lord, who, in the Gospel of John, describes Himself as the Good Shepherd. Of this relationship, Jesus says, quote, The sheep hear His voice as He calls His own sheep by name. He walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow Him because they recognize His voice. Unquote. By contrast, He explains their reaction to a deceiver, quote, they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers." Unquote. As faithful followers of Christ, then, we're learning to recognize and respond to the true voice of God and to reject deceptions and counterfeits. Before we go any further, I'd like to make some introductions. My name is Brother Sam, and I'm in the Brotherhood of Hope, a community of religious brothers, a team of missionary monks, so to speak, we do everything as brothers, praying, working, and living all out for the Lord side by side. We are pleased to be partnered with SPO on college campuses and beyond. I'm also very happy to introduce my collaborator and co-author Alyssa Giles, wife and mother of two boys. Alyssa holds degrees in theology and catechetics from Franciscan University of Steubenville and has been a missionary with SPO for over seven years. She'll say more about herself in the next two chapters which she has written. Then I'll be back with you in Chapter 4, and Alyssa will conclude with Chapter 5. We wanted to do this together for two reasons. First, we both experienced God begin speaking to us more personally and powerfully during our college years. Second, as people who followed different vocational paths, we can testify in unity about God's amazing diversity. The Lord speaks to each of us uniquely, leading us according to His purposes. There is no greater adventure. God is already speaking to you. To hear God so clearly like I did that day in the city is not the normal experience. He's usually more subtle like that still small voice we read about in the Bible. Looking back, I think he wanted to break through to get my attention. But in hindsight, I realized throughout my life he'd been preparing me to hear him. There's a story from the Old Testament about the prophet Samuel, who, as a boy, served in the Lord's temple under the mentoring care of the priest Eli. 
Maybe you're already familiar with the way Samuel first heard the voice of God. It was nighttime, and the boy was sleeping in the temple. The Lord called him by name, but he thought it was Eli. So he went to his mentor, saying, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, said Eli. Go back to sleep. It happened again, and then again. On the third time, Eli realized what was really going on, and with true wisdom and patience, he directed young Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This story illustrates an important point. When Samuel heard the actual voice of God, directly and personally, it sounded to him just like the voice of his elder and mentor. Similarly, the first place we learn to hear the voice of the Lord is through our parents, pastors, and teachers, those who form us in the faith. God speaks first in our lives through intermediaries, people tasked with our training and instruction. But at some point, and it's different for everyone, the Lord speaks to our hearts directly and reveals His will more personally. As in the story, sometimes it is wise counsel. For others, it is by growth in prayer or reflecting on interior movements of the Spirit that we hear God's voice. At first, we might confuse it with someone else's voice, but the powerful way the Word sticks with us and moves us into action is literally a wake-up call. Do we react against the Word like I did on the street? Or, like young Samuel, do we say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If God's voice is subtle, that presents us right away with a problem. We have so many random thoughts every day, which, if any, are from God. Cardinal Reniero Cantalamesa, preacher to three popes, points to an inward awareness along with an unmistakable sense that you've been spoken to. Quote, You feel you are being questioned by that word of inspiration. You feel it is asking something new of you. Unquote. God's authentic voice, he says, leaves you with an inner certainty which is hard to ignore. Even so, he advises the hearer to seek counsel, as Samuel did, from a pastor or spiritual guide because, quote, if it is from God, he will make his representatives recognize it as such, Unquote. In that moment when you hear the Lord in this new way, there might be nothing different about your external surroundings. Maybe it happens at Mass one Sunday or at a prayer meeting where someone gives a prophetic word. It might come during a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a trusted spiritual leader, or in a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ. You might hear the Lord while listening to music or reading, and it doesn't have to be something spiritual. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian authors of the 20th century, experienced God first speaking to him through secular literature. This while he was still an avowed atheist. What keeps me from hearing God? If God is speaking, why don't we hear him more? There are many factors, but Henry Nouwen, a popular Christian author, saw the biggest obstacle in himself. Quote, Why is it so difficult to be still and quiet and let God speak to me? Is it because I don't trust God? Is it because I wonder if God really is there for me? Is it because I'm afraid of God? Is it because, deep down inside, I do not believe that God cares? Unquote. What about you? Do any of these describe your experience? Maybe I don't really want to know what God wants from me. I might be fearful about losing control or doubt that his plans for me are better than my own. Maybe I'm afraid I'll get it wrong, make some kind of permanent choice and end up miserable. 
Maybe I think God only speaks to people with lots of faith, and since I have so many doubts, he wouldn't want to communicate with me. Maybe I just haven't really known much about God until relatively recently. And this idea of listening to him, a being I can't even see, is still new to me. For myself, it was mainly the fear I'd get it wrong. Either by my own error or a deception of the devil, I was afraid I'd make a terrible mistake and claim something was from God when it really wasn't. The antidote for this fear, and the others listed above, is surprisingly simple. True knowledge of God. Once you really know somebody, you know how to recognize their voice. Have you ever gotten one of those scam emails, supposedly from a friend, saying that something terrible happened to them on a trip and they need you to send them money right away? Or maybe it was a link you clicked from what you thought was a reliable source, only to find your computer infected with a virus. With hindsight, like when you took a closer look, you realized that your friend would never send a note or a link like that. Maybe there was something fishy about it, some wording or inconsistency that should have tipped you off. When we know God well, there's something similar at work in hearing His voice. We're less likely to fall for a scam. What's the scam? Well, there are many, but here I'd like to highlight our own false assumptions. We assume that God isn't interested in speaking to us, or that He can't use us, or that we're too weak and sinful. The voice of the world, the flesh, and the devil reinforce these false beliefs. Remember those sheep who follow the voice of the Good Shepherd and do not recognize the voice of strangers? That's what we're working on here, an ear for authenticity. Begin with the Bible. The Bible is the most reliable way we can confirm that what we're hearing is in fact from God. Reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God empowers us to recognize His voice when He speaks more personally. The better we know who God is, the better we recognize what he's saying to us. The scriptures provide examples of people learning how to hear, recognize, and answer God. Like Moses, who, when called by God to lead his people out of slavery, basically responded with, uh, could you ask somebody else? Moses resisted the call because he saw his own weakness and thought, God can't use somebody like me. But our limitations don't limit God. He shares his life with us not because of who we are, but because of who He is. God is merciful, patient, and willing to work with our shortcomings. Moses learned this by listening to God. Here's the way the Catechism describes it, quote, In the dialogue in which God confides in him, Moses also learns how to pray. He balks. He makes excuses, above all questions, and it is in response to his question that the Lord confides his ineffable name, which will be revealed through his mighty deeds. David is another great example. While Moses shows us how God calls to us, David teaches us to call on God and expect an answer. As king of Israel, David is credited with composing many of the psalms still prayed today. These are hardly soft, pious poems with trite answers to hard questions. These are bold prayers from the heart of a warrior, and they demand a response from God. Quote, In my distress, I called out, Lord, I cried out to my God, he reached down from on high and seized me, drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my mighty enemy, from foes too powerful for me. Unquote. David doesn't just pray for his own needs. When he sees social injustice, he cries out. 
Why, Lord, do you stand at a distance and pay no heed to these troubled times? Rise up, Lord God. Do not forget the poor. Why should the wicked scorn God, saying in their hearts, God doesn't care? But you do see. You do observe this misery and sorrow. You take the matter in hand. Unquote. What did David know about God? Through the many trials he faced before becoming king, David understood that God is for us, that he really cares about everything in our lives. God isn't looking for eloquent prayers full of empty words. He wants to know what's really going on, our joys, our struggles, and our needs. And he wants us to expect his response. Our honesty and trust unlocks his generosity. When he answers, he speaks to us as daughters and sons, providing courage, hope, and deliverance. The Psalms, wrote Pope Benedict XVI, provide a language for communicating with God. In them, he says, quote, God gives us words to speak to him, to place our lives before him, and thus to make life itself a path to God, unquote. A third example from the Bible is the prophet Jeremiah, who struggles to understand why God would use him as a messenger to the people. When God speaks, he protests, I am too young. Like with Moses, the Lord won't let him off the hook. Quote, Say not, I am too young. Have no fear before them, because I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Unquote. In his prophetic call, Jeremiah learns that God's great love for his people is something he wants to share with us. He not only speaks to us, but he also speaks through us. He gives us his heart for his people. In the next chapter, Alyssa will guide us as we dive more deeply into hearing God by meditating on his word. Here I'll offer a few conclusions and one final note. Four things about God's way of speaking we already see in the Bible. He speaks to us not only through our pastors, but personally, as with Samuel. Not only in our abilities, but in our inabilities, as with Moses. Not only in the big things, but in our daily doubts and struggles, as with David not only to us as persons, but through us to a people, as with Jeremiah. I'll add one more very timely in the church today. God speaks not only in words, but in wonders. This insight is found everywhere in the Bible, but how many Christians believe it today? When Peter stood up at Pentecost to explain the signs people were seeing, he quoted the prophet Joel, saying, quote, It will come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out a portion of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams." Unquote. This wasn't just for Bible times. In 1962, at the start of the Second Vatican Council, St. John XXIII invoked this promised gift, asking the Holy Spirit to, quote, renew your wonders in our day as by a new Pentecost, unquote. Pope Benedict XVI saw this prayer fulfilled in new renewal movements, that is, various groups that emerged after Vatican II promoting holiness and evangelization. Prior to his own pontificate, Benedict observed, quote, The period following the council scarcely lived up to the hopes of John XXIII, who looked for a new Pentecost. But his prayer did not go unheard. In the heart of a world desiccated by rationalistic skepticism, a new experience of the Holy Spirit has come about, amounting to a worldwide renewal movement. What the New Testament describes with reference to the charisms as visible signs of the coming of the Spirit is no longer merely ancient past history. This history is becoming a burning reality today.
The charismatic renewal, foundational to our life together in SPO, is part of what Benedict is talking about. God is renewing his wonders in our own times through signs such as healings, miracles, and prophetic words. God is calling out to his people, Now more than ever we must hear him well, so we can read these signs, understand what the Holy Spirit is doing, and bring his words and works of power to a world so desperately in need of God's love. If this call is too overwhelming, you might be tempted like I was as a college student to say no. Instead, when the Lord's words awaken your heart, answer him in faith. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening.